We're going to be looking at a scripture this morning that is very sobering, one of those very sobering passages, and uh, the title of the message is Steps That Lead to Spiritual Defeat. Anybody feel defeated? Come on, somebody. Can we be honest with ourselves? Sometimes you feel defeated. Sometimes I feel defeated. And so we're going to look at some of the go behind the scenes and see, well, why is that? We're going to unpack that. The Bible says all this has been written for us. And so uh, if you haven't been here, if you're new, what I want to say is that uh, we've been going through the book of Joshua, and what has been chronicled is a history of God's people, which really speaks of our life. The promised life is our life. So they came to the Jordan River. God miraculously parts the Jordan River. They walk over on dry ground. Then uh, they face Jericho, that formidable walled city. God supernaturally intervenes. Uh, they overcome Jericho. God said, wherever the soles of your feet touch, that's land that I've given to you. This is the land I've given you. So go in and take the land. Now they're coming up against the city of Ai, a little podunk, nothing city here. But they had to step out in faith. They had to get on their shields and swords. They had to do something even though God said, I've given you the land. We talked about last week. It's his provision in the Christian life, not ours. That it's his power, not ours. That it's his plan, not ours. That we have to step out in the Christian life and step in by faith. So now we're going to talk about steps that lead to spiritual defeat. So if you're able to stand to your feet, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we read from Joshua chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. I'll read the odd verses, and I would like to ask you to read the even verses. And so we're going to fill the house of God with the word of God from the people of God. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 reads like this. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. And Achan was the son of Carmri, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Now when they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two, 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't take all the people, all of our people, and struggle to go up there. Chase the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. They killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. And the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. And then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were only going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side, you may be seated. Father, thank you for this text. We pray that you would speak to it, speak to us from it. Father, we thank you that we can open the pages of Scripture and hear the voice of God through the Word of God. We ask you to give us uh, clarity and understanding, to open the eyes of our understanding, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying? And so again, we have a very sobering text. Because a man named Achan is going to lose his life because of decisions that he made. He's going to lose his life and he's going to be stoned. That's the end of the story. We begin here in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And look at this. It says, but Israel, like this is not good because he has been really good. And Israel has been on a roll they can do no wrong. They're having victory on every side here. But now, but Israel, God is not very happy with Israel. 
The nation has been glowing because of what has been here, glowing with promise, but Israel, but introduces a drastic turn of events, a drastic change in the relationship of God with his people here. Now what has been normal is no longer normal. Now that has ceased, it is over. The great news is no longer great news. They, it says here they violated the instructions of the Lord. Literally means they trespassed, they crossed a line, like seeing the line is right there. And knowing don't cross that line, they said, God, we're going to cross the line. Well, Achan said that, who represented all of Israel. So years ago, I was at a place in Africa, and there was a line there. And it said, do not cross the line. And I so wanted to cross the line. And it just so happened that there was a chain-link fence, and on that chain-link fence, I was standing about right here. And behind the chain-link fence was a lion, like a real lion. This is Africa. It's not Disneyland. It's not America. And it was leaning against it, sleeping there. And its, its flesh was, and the fur was pushing through the chain-link fence. And I looked around, and there was nobody. There was no game wardens. There was no people. And I thought, I just really want to touch that lion. And uh, I was getting ready to send a suit, getting ready to, to uh, board a plane. I, Man, I just really want to touch that there's nobody there. Do not cross the line in big print. I thought, I'm going to cross the line. I looked around one more time, and I went down, and I reached, and I was getting closer and closer, and he's sleeping, and I thought, this is gonna, I, can, I can touch him. And I'm about this close to the line, ready to stick my fingers right through the chain link fence and touch him. And all of a sudden, there, he spins around, I'm not kidding, spins around and jumps into the fence. And I'm in my three-piece suit, and I go like this, hit the ground, dirt on me, and I start running as fast as I could, as if I'm going to outrun the lion, right? But I'm running as fast as I can, as hard as I can, and uh, faster than a speeding bullet to see if the lion's... I cross the line. So that's the point. That's the idea here, is that you know you're not supposed to do it, and they trespassed here. So Israel, then it says in Joshua 7.1, Israel has sinned. Speaks of a secret sin. God saying, Israel, you're in trouble now. And so why is Israel in trouble when Achan sinned, but yet God saying the whole nation there uh, has sinned here. A man named Achan, verse 1, had stolen some of the dedicated things. Those are things dedicated to the Lord. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan, the son of Camry, descendant of Zimri, a son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. So God had given a strict warning. Do not touch the plunders of Jericho. Do not touch the articles there. When you take the city of Jericho, you're not to touch those things. It said in, in uh, Joshua chapter 6 here. Don't, don't touch the silver, the gold, the bronze, and all uh, the gold, the iron, unless it's going to go into the treasury of the Lord here. And so this guy here, Achan, decides... I am going to go for it. But yet, he represented like the whole nation there. And in a sense, the reality is this, is that we're, the Bible says we're members one of another here. No man lives or dies unto himself here. And sin affects other people. And his sin affects the entire nation there. And the ramifications, all that to say this, friends, the ramifications of your life, the ramifications of your sin. 
They don't end with you. The ramifications are they spill over into other people's lives there. We can think, deceptively, we can think that, well, I just live in my own little life, and it's just me, and I can do whatever I want in front of the computer. I can do whatever I want to my body here, and think that it only impacts my life. Like somehow we're like independent and not dependent, and like what I do affects you, and what you do affects me here. So your sin, my sin, not only affects my life, but affects your life. That's the reality here. And so your sin uh, impacts everything around you. Like if you're, say, a teenager, and it's not going well with your parents here, and you start to hide things, and you don't want them to know. It's like you don't think when you're hiding perhaps your sin, that's not going to affect your relationship even though they don't know. Of course it does. Or a man or a woman, a marriage relationship, maybe it's not going well, or maybe there's unfaithfulness by a husband or a wife there. You don't think just because they don't know it is hidden, it's not going to affect your relationship? I mean, let us not be deceived. What a man sows, he shall also reap. So an employee, maybe secretly stealing from the company, you don't think that's going to affect their relationship with their boss, whatever? So the scene here is Achan, which means the troubler. Essentially, it's stolen from God. But Joshua, he's completely in the dark. He has no idea what's going on there. He's unaware of the tragedy that's going to befall them because of Achan's sin here. And so they're still basking in the glory of the defeat of Jericho, the crossing of the Red Sea here. And so now they're thinking that because of the great string of victories, looking at Ai, they're like, yeah, we're going to defeat Ai. Ai's got nothing on us. Ai's a bunch of wimps here. And so it says here, verse 2, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho, which they had just conquered, to spy out the town of Ai there. And so it says that after Israel whips Jericho, now they're going to focus on Ai. And when they returned, watch, they told Joshua. Now what I want us to see here, how overconfident that they are. They're full of a, almost a, a sense of presumptuousness. The man we, we dealt, you know, God dealt with Jericho. It was God's power, God's plan, God's provision. But now they're thinking, watch what they say, there's no need for all of us to go up there. Who said that? God didn't say that. You never sought God. You never prayed. You never looked to the Almighty. You didn't even take the Ark of the Covenant, which they always had with them, which spoke of the power, the presence of God. Ah, we don't even need, we don't need the Ark of the Covenant. We don't need God on this one. We've got this one, God. You stay right there. We'll take care of it ourselves. Ark of the Covenant, we don't need you. And so since there are so few of them walking by sight, not by faith, there are so few of them, don't make all the people struggle to go up there. Hey, we're kind of tired. Let them stay in the bullpen. We'll just take a, 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 a couple thousand of us. And so they send out the scouting report. They do their surveillance. They do their reconnaissance. And here's the conclusion. AI, yeah, they're very wimpy. They're a bunch of cream puffs. They're a bunch of nobodies there. This is going to be a piece of cake. Slam dunk. Okay, it's po-donk city. This is a walk in the park here. They're small. They're insignificant. They don't have much of a defense there. We're just going to take the, we're going to waltz in. We're going to take the city. And, and Joshua's like, whatever. We're just going to, we're going to do it. And you see here, something's like off with Joshua. What happened to Joshua 
seeking the Lord. What happened to his connection with the Lord here? Is he basking in the mountaintop experience of Jericho, not being careful anymore? And so Israel, though, you can see they're overconfident. They're not God-confident. They're overconfident. So number one, a step that leads, friends, to spiritual defeat is this. Is it self-confidence and not God-confidence, not confidence in the Almighty. It's easy to do when you've had seasons of victory and think you're on a roll, you're doing well, and all. And you just think, yeah, I've got this one. This is a small one. I can handle this by myself. This is your little personal AI kind of podunk, nobody, little situation. And you begin to get overconfident because of your past there. So watch what happens here. Verse 4. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai crushed the children of Israel here. God's people got hammered by the little people of Ai. Total disaster. Devastating defeat. Why? Because he didn't have the right military strategy? Because of the military might of Ai? No, no. Because there was secret sin in the camp. It was what was behind the scenes. And so verse 5, the men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 of them. So the blood is flowing. 36 men, about 36 men, are lying in pools of blood. Joshua gets this news because there was sin in the camp. Look at the result. The Israelites now are paralyzed with fear at the turn of events, and their courage melted away. What that means literally is their internal courage of the nation, like, got punched in the gut. One podunk town punches them in the gut, and their courage is gone. They're, they're devastated nationally here. The point is this, is that disobedience has its ramifications. Sin has its ramifications. For our nation, sin has its ramifications. We are in trouble as a nation because of our national sin here. Devastation could come to us like came to the nation of Israel that turned from God. So the impact on the people is devastating here. Watch what it says. The Israelites were paralyzed because of fear. Have you ever experienced that? Where you, you are in a space of such fear that you just feel like you're paralyzed, like you don't know what to do, you don't know how to break out of this thing. So that's what happened to them. Now look at verse 6 on the screen. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads. This is a sign of mourning and sorrow and grief. And bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. So as before the, before the presence and the power of God, there's Joshua on his face, wondering, like, what happened, God? And times like this, suffering, reveal what you think about God. Moments like this. So Joshua's face down, brokenhearted, crying there beside himself. The unthinkable has happened. Podunk Ai has overtaken them. 36 men are dead. He's shocked and he can't believe what's going on. He's like, God, but, but you said you'd give us the land. You told me. God, that, that you would give us, that the, everywhere the soles of our feet step, you would give us that. Lord, like, 
like you're responsible for what happened here. And it shows sometimes in times of, of, of difficulty what we think about God here. So but remember, they didn't, there's no hint that anybody prayed, no hint of asking God's will here, nor did they have the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the power of God with them. So he's just tearing his clothes and as like a bad dream, verse 7. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why? See, friends, that's a picture of us. Things don't go our way. That's what we do. We say, why, God? Like, why did you bring us across the Jordan River? Questioning God's will, questioning God's way, questioning what he's done. If you're going to let the Amorites kill us, if only we had been content to stay on the other side, like, God, was that really your will? Things aren't going well. Where am I? Why, 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 God? And so uh, he's saying, like, God, it's your fault all of this happened. Joshua's on his face there saying, why this? We believed you. We trusted you. We stepped out in faith here. God, what's going on? And friends, that's a common reaction that we have. Not just the speaker this morning, but all of us can have that reaction. So here's the question that I have for you. In what circumstances do you tend, like Joshua, to blame God for the things that go wrong? In what circumstances do you blame God? Because that's inside of us. Number two, another step for spiritual defeat is blaming God rather than accepting my personal responsibility here. Verse 8, And Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? Verse 9, And when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they're going to surround us and wipe out our name off the face of the earth. And then, what's going to happen to your, the honor of your name too? He's saying, like, God, you're going to get a bad rap for what happened. And this is critical at our junction here because we're at a turning point. We're at a crossroads. Now the word's going to get out, and all the other nations are going to know that they can rise up against us. So Joshua is like arguing, complaining with God that the news is going to go around quickly, that all the other nations now can attack us. And God, you're like, your name is, it's, it's your resume. It's you, it's your resume that's at stake here. It's like he's almost like manipulating God for what God did. Now, I want you to notice how God responds in verse 10. The Lord speaks to Joshua. But the Lord said to Joshua, you get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Like, being in prayer is the right thing to do. But I, I got to talk to you, buddy, here. And so it's a strong word, get up. He's saying, look. Uh, we got a problem in camp, and I'm not the problem. And I didn't change my problem. It's not about the faithfulness of me that's in question. It's about the faithfulness of you. And so uh, why are you spending time down on your face here when you think this is my fault? You think I'm not keeping my promises? You think the issue is with me? You think that I actually went, like, back on what, what I said here? Like, Joshua, like, what do you think of me? That you would assume, like, I don't care that 36 men are dead here, and that you're questioning why I would bring you into the land at all? What do, you, what do you think of me? Joshua explained, God explains to the Israelites that were defeated at AIY. God exposed the situation of what they thought here. Because listen, friends, when you and I go through some defeat of some kind here, 
we think we can be, we can tend to think and lean to think like, oh, this is about God. Friends, how often it's about you, it's, it's about me here. And I'm getting exposed, like Joshua is getting exposed here. And so you go through a situation that's horrible, it's painful, and maybe we don't even verbalize it, but in our heart of hearts, in our mind, we can be like, yeah, God, you let me down. Your promise was, you said, I thought, you let me down here. So notice what God says to Joshua. Here's the problem. Watch, what is it? Verse 11. Here's the problem. Israel sinned. That's the problem. And broken my covenant, my agreement with you. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. I made it very clear. These are not for you. These are for me. Uh, it's like uh, the, the principle of the first fruits, the first city they conquered, Joshua. It's all for me, not for you. You give. I'll give back to you later. The other, you can take plunder from the other cities, but not this one. So, and they have not only stolen, but they have lied about it and hidden things among their own belongings. So there's the problem. God addressed them corporately. God is saying, dude, there's sin in the camp. We need to talk about that. There's a reason for the failure. Friends, sometimes we need to think like, what's the reason for our spiritual defeat? Don't blame shift God and other people. Like, look at your own life here. And so there's a reason that the failure has taken place. And he's saying, look, it's because of Israel has sinned. Verse 12, that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. That's why you were defeated, because of sin. For now Israel has been set apart or doomed for destruction, and I will not remain with you. In other words, my presence will not be with you as long as there is this sin in the camp, unless you repent, you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So God now speaking to his people, verse 13 says again, get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you, like I can see all things, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord, and you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Saying, look, unless you deal with and address the sin in the camp, you will live forever in defeat. The obvious, friends, is that spiritual defeat is often pointed back to personal sin. Personal sin is it is it the issue there? Sin always what? It separates. Sin always wrecks havoc. Sin always creates problems. Sin always brings you into some type of death there. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, like death to relationships, death to marriages, death to uh, things that at, at work there, that uh, death to dreams and desires. It's always working death. And so another step then to spiritual defeat is this, underestimating the power of sin. Underestimating the power of sin. Take sin lightly, friends, and I'm telling you, you will experience spiritual defeat. And so verse 14 here, there's a, a long procedure. I'm not going to go through all these verses here, but verse 14, uh, there's a procedure that uh, for discovering, God gives him 
who was responsible for the crime that was, that was committed here by Achan. And so to find out who it was, there was a very incremental process of elimination that was done to give him every opportunity to confess and to get right here. And so that's chronicled in the next uh, verses here, 16 through 21. And so he'll say, hey, like what tribe was it? Tribe of Levite? No, okay, you can go. Tribe of Reuben? Okay, you can go. Tribe of Gad? No, okay, you can go. Okay, tribe of Judah? Okay, you stay here. Anybody in the tribe of Judah need to say anything? You, you want to confess anything? Tribe of Judah? No, okay. Achan? No, okay, all right. Okay, then they go from there, and they go, okay, now we're going to give you another opportunity. Now we're going to go to the clans within the tribe of Judah. Okay, for the clans there, anybody want to confess anything that happened here? No, okay, I, Achan doesn't want to say anything. Okay, so we're going to continue the process here. Okay, now we're going to go to the, from the tribe to the clan. Now we're going to the families, give you another opportunity. Anybody want to confess anything that may have happened? No confession, okay. Now we got the family. Now we're going to drill down on the family. Okay, it's just the family. And so, see, opportunity, this is the gospel, after opportunity, after opportunity. Opportunity then, like Rahab, you could, you, had a, you could have had a way of escape here. And so there's reason that Joshua went tribe by tribe, family by family, uh, household after ha- household, giving him time and allowing Achan to step up, stop covering his sin and confess his sin, but nothing was to happen there. Which speaks of this, that our, na- our nature, and naturally, what do we do? When we sin, like King David, we want to cover our sin there, rather than confess our sin. And oftentimes, God has to even send a Nathan and say, you are the man, you're the woman, you're responsible. And so question, will we be part of confessing uh, what we've done there, or will we make it necessary for God to send someone else? Verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Why is he saying that? You think maybe he wasn't telling the truth? Somebody, come on. You think he wasn't telling the truth? Okay, so hey, buddy, tell the truth. He says, make your confession, because anybody know he wasn't making a confession there? And he says, don't hide it. You think he was hiding anything? Yeah, he was there. So, uh, so he says in verse 20, Achan replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice, though, here it says, yeah, it's true what I did, but he doesn't repent. No hint. Achan doesn't ask for forgiveness, doesn't say he was wrong. And this is what he did, verse 21. Here's Achan's story in his own words. Check this out because this this is huge. Among the plunder, watch, I saw. It's me, it's mine. I want, I saw a beautiful robe from, the, from Babylon, 200 silver coins, bar of gold weighing about a pound. I wanted, I saw, I wanted. How about this? It's human nature. And I took them. Isn't that speaking of humanity right there? I saw, I wanted, I took. It's all about me all the time. I want, I want, I want. So in the midst of all the chaos of Jericho there being uh, happening, Achan there, 
who had a, who had a, a very a promising military career here, wrecks his life by plundering, fueled by greed here, which craves more. Uh, I think I'll take some silver. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got to have some gold there. Oh, that's a super cool Babylonian robe. I think I'll, I'll take that too there. Think about it. Think about it. This is a nomadic people. Like he's got the gold and the silver and the Babylonian robe. And what's he going to do with it? And where's he going to put it? He's living in a tent. Like nobody's going to see the robe, right? Like, hey, dude, like that's super cool. Like, like, where'd you get that? Yeah, there was a sale down the street there. I just, the Babylonians had this thing going on. And man, I don't, isn't it cool? Like, like they're not going to know. Like, hey, it is worth about, today they estimate, uh, it was worth, you know, a lot of money there. But like, hey, where'd you get all the money? Like, wh- where'd that come from? And so, but the point is this here, friends. See him there grabbing more, more silver, bar of gold in, in the rope. And so it speaks of, of human nature there that nothing can satisfy the greed within here. So Achan, he watch, he's part of this dynamic army marching victoriously into Ai there. But he comes back uh, to his tent there and he buries the plunder like nobody will find out, right? Like God won't find out, right? And that's what sin can do to us. Sin deceives like we think, like, I can get away with it, and like, nobody's going to find out. Friend, that should put the fear of God inside of us there. So greed causes us to do stupid things. You crazy Aiken. If you take the, the plunder, like, what are you going to do with it? Where you like hide it in your tent? You're kidding me. Like you're gonna have to pull up the tent and go to the next place. And so what are what are you gonna do, Aiken? There? And so Aiken, like, like you're an idiot. You're a total idiot here. Friends, let me say this: that any time in your life that you have to hide something, it's not from God. If you have to hide it, you have to hide anything, it's not from God. And so, Achan, you're going to die over this. Achan, the choice that you made because you're coveting, it's going to destroy you. In this case, it's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your career. It's going to wreck you. And sadly, it's going to cost you your life. The wages of sin is death. And sin needs to be taken seriously. And so, verse 24, and Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the cool robe, the bar of gold, the sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had and brought them to the valley of Achor, which also means trouble. Achan, trouble, brought to trouble. Verse 25, then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought the trouble upon us? The Lord will now bring trouble upon you. And the Israelites stoned Achan, his family and burn their bodies. Piled up a great bunch of stones there in the valley of trouble. And so the Lord then was no longer angry. So I want to close with this. Is it, what a sad, like what a sad story. But there's, there's a story for us that relates to our story. So here, greed made Achan think that he could get away with it. 
because of the greed in his heart here. And he thought that there was a place that he could go to, a place that God would not see, and that something he could do that God would not know. And so, but God, you know, is everywhere, knows everything. And Achan had a false view of God. That's what sin can do to you. It can, it can create a false view of God. And the chapter teaches us that God sees everything, that God sees your life in its totality, my life in its totality, sees your private life. And everything in our lives is in full view of God himself. The private sin, though, something for thousands of years now, people think that private sin is just my sin and I can get away with private sin. But see, there's, we think we have a secret, but there's no secrets with God. Joshua, watch. Joshua may not have known what Achan did. People of Israel didn't know what Achan did. Mrs. Achan didn't know what Achan did, but God knew. God knew what Achan did. And the Bible puts it this way in Hebrews 4.13. All things, some things, all things are, are, are what? Covered? All things are naked and open unto him. Open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Oh, to live under that scripture, friends, that'll change your life. Knowing all things are naked and all things are open to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. Proverbs says, for the Lord, the Lord sees what a man does and examines every path that he takes. That'll change how we live. Every sin, watch friends, that we cover, God will uncover. And so we must avoid the steps that lead to spiritual defeat. And the last step that leads to spiritual defeat is to cover your sin rather than to confess it. The Bible says if you confess, I mean, if you cover your sin, you won't prosper. And so all of us indeed have sinned. And let me say this. It's easy to go, yeah, Aiken. You idiot, Aiken. How could you do that, Aiken? Friends, we're no better than Aiken. There's a bit of Aiken inside all of us. It's a reality. The story you read there, shocking that that's inside you, called the sin nature. Or by grace, we're saved from that. And so this is really something, again, I told you, uh, straight up, told you, hey, this is sobering. Sobering message. So we want to dodge the sobering parts of Scripture. That's why we'll, we'll go through it, because we hit the parts that a lot of times people want to hit the fast-forward button and skip that. No, we're going to talk about it. We're going to pack it, see what God, see, we, we want to hear God's voice through God's Word. And God had a word for us from this chapter. God has a word for us from the chapter. So that's why we, we talked about it today. So let's uh, stand to our feet. And let's pray. Father, may we examine our hearts and our lives. If there's anything in us that perhaps is hidden away, anything that we think is like covered from you, and Lord, we want us to, to get, we want to get the issue settled with you before we leave here today. Lord, forgive me of my 
fill in the blank. My selfishness, my greed, my temper, my idolatry, my addiction, my disobedience, my sin. And may we say, oh God in heaven, would you put stir our hearts with repentance in our souls and put a, an urgent fervency in our hearts to dedicate or rededicate or give our lives afresh to you that we might always have you before us. We like Joshua. We would be times of being on our face looking to you. God, that you would do what only you can do and go where only you can go. May there be the genuine working of the Spirit of the living God in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.